love. Period. Love. Or maybe it's love? Question mark. What is love? Love? Or maybe for some of you it's love! Exclamation point. You're in a good spot. Love. What is love? Where did you learn how to love? What has been your journey with this idea of love in your life? Do you remember that class you took where they taught about love? I'm sure you had one somewhere along the lines, right? This is a complicated matter, isn't it? Love. What is it? How do we do it well? What does it mean? We all grow up in different situations and in different scenarios, and we all kind of learn different aspects of love. And it is very complicated. I think we would all have to agree. But I want to state a couple of facts that are true about love. The first one is this, that Jesus gave us this commandment that we are to love one another. This commandment, love one another, is used over and over and over again throughout Scripture. And we know that it is the greatest commandment we have been given, to love God and to love one another. And in fact, this passage in John 13 goes on to say that it's actually our love for one another that's going to show the world that we're his disciples. So it's foundational to our lives together to learn how to love one another. But the second truth I think is just as important, which is not only are we called to love one another, but we are also capable of loving one another. The fruit of the Spirit is love. I think a problem that exists often in our lives, and I know exists in my life, is this feeling that I'm called to love, but, you know, I just don't feel very good at it. I oftentimes don't feel very capable of doing it well. When I read Scripture, I go back to this again, and it's not about me needing to somehow figure it out on my own, but it's the fruit of the Spirit in my life. So there's something about learning to love that I need to understand. How do I become more dependent on the fruit of the Spirit and allow the Spirit to move through my life? So this morning, that's what we're going to begin talking about is this idea of we're called to love, but not only that, but we are also capable of loving. But what makes it so difficult is, bottom line, I think what's hard about love and one of the core values of love that we're going to really hone in on this morning is this idea of, in order to love somebody, you've got to have to be honest with one another. What does it mean to really be transparent? One of the major problems with love is it requires transparency. <laughs> so in order to be transparent, in order to be loving, we have to open up our hearts, open up our lives. And we're going to look this morning at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, if you want to turn there. The context of this passage is Paul defending his ministry, defending his life, and what he's been all about. And his defense really says, look at my life, look at my ministry, look at who I am. Bottom line, he says, I'm honest. <laughs> I've been real. I've been authentic. And all you have to do is look at my life to see that. It's a pretty powerful statement that he's really making in this passage about transparency. Paul is saying, I've been so transparent with you. See, in Paul's day, 
there were charlatans that existed in trying to promote their message and trying to uh, get people to give them money and to take care of them and to provide financially. And, and there's a lot of kind of uh, charlatanism, trickery going on, if you will. And Paul was coming up against that in his own ministry where people were starting to say, hey, what's this guy all about? But what's interesting is Paul then defends himself by going right to the core of what it means to be honest. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. I want you to think here for a moment about people that draw you in. Who are you attracted to in your world? I know for me, the thing that I am attracted to in my world is people that are open, people that are real. And when you sit down with them or you talk with them, you have this sense that this, this person's just being totally honest with me. This person's laying it out on the line, and they're, they're, they're opening up their heart to me. And, and that's what I'm drawn to. And I think we most, most of us would say that's really what we are drawn to. And so as we look at this passage in 1 Thessalonians 2, um, we're going to see some ideas about what does it look like to do that? What does it mean to be open and honest? Uh, one of the reasons why around here at Life Community Church we have this idea of authenticity as a core value is because we just believe that, again, at core, if you're going to love people, you've got to be authentic. You've got to just be real. And so we're going to be looking at that here this morning. So we're going to jump into 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, where I'm actually going to start at verse 8, because verse 8 is really, I think, the climax of the passage, and I think it's a good summary of really what Paul is talking about. He says this, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. And so what Paul is pointing out here is a couple of things. He says, because we were so involved in caring for you, we did a couple of things for you. First and of most importance, he says, we shared the gospel with you. We shared the gospel. And obviously that's foundational the gospel, that Jesus Christ came, that he died for your sin. He was resurrected, and he now wants to make you new. He wants to make you a new creation. But then Paul goes on, and in this passage, I think it's really what's being emphasized in this verse, is he goes on, he says, not only did we share the gospel with you, but he says, we shared our very selves with you. That word self in that passage is the word for soul. And so the idea that Paul's talking about here is he's saying, we shared our souls with you. So that's kind of the question that we're going to talk about today is, what does it look like to share your soul with another person? Because for Paul, that's foundational. When he was trying to prove that he was not some sort of charlatan trying to make money, he says, no, no, don't you remember when I was with you? Do you remember Timothy and I? He says, we shared our souls with you. We were totally open. So how can you be totally honest with someone else in a relationship to really let them in? And we're going to look at verses 1 and 2 at the beginning here of chapter 2. It says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. And then jump over to, to verse 4, he says, But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. What did Paul do in his life? He made his life about Christ. Bottom line. 
He made it about Christ, the gospel of salvation. He was willing to suffer for it. He was willing to face persecution. He was willing to even face conflict, to be treated shamefully, because Jesus Christ had changed him. And then he goes on there and he says, you know, we did none of this to please people. See, Paul was not dependent on people and how people responded to him. He was dependent on God and what God thought of him. In fact, when he says there, God approved, he says, I'm confident that God approved of my message. So Paul's first, I think, message to us is this idea of, of tearing down our own walls. And what I mean by that is Paul wasn't uh, a person who lived self-protective. He didn't keep the walls up in his life. He, he knew he could take down his walls, let people in, be totally honest. Why? Because Jesus Christ had changed his life. He was dependent on Christ. He was no longer dependent on what people thought of him. Do you know how freeing that is? When you can just tear down your walls, let people in to the good stuff in your life, to the messy stuff in your life. You can share it all because you know that what people think of you isn't what you're dependent on any longer. You can go in your world and in your life in any relationship and you can let people in to the stuff that's going on honestly in your heart because even if they don't respond well to it, you can know I'm not dependent on their response. I'm not trying to please man. I'm trying to please God. And that's what Paul was talking about. He found his security in Christ. He didn't have to put on airs. He was able to live openly. So when you tear down this self-protective barrier, I want you to think about that for a moment. What is it that you're protecting? What is it that we have to tear down? What's going on inside of us? And the bottom line, we talked about this last week a little bit, was the idea of fear. Fear is really what's inside. And the reason we put walls up because we're afraid. We looked at that last week with Adam and Eve. And I believe that at core, in our fallen, unregenerate human personality, the core of that is fear. What do we fear? We fear exposure because we believe that rejection will follow. If people really knew who I am, if people really knew what was really going on inside of me, they're just going to reject me. And, you know, there's a reason for that because, honestly, speaking of honesty, that's happened. We have been rejected at times. We have opened up. We have shared our soul with somebody who has used that information in a way that has hurt us. But what Paul's talking about here is saying, I think he would say to us that that doesn't matter. You can keep going. You can keep opening up. You can keep trying because you're not dependent on how people respond to you. Paul wasn't dependent on what people did and how they responded to him. So I want you to think for me, uh, just for a moment, I want you to think about what it would look like for you to tear down the walls of your heart and to really expose your soul before God. I want you to think, if you were to tear down your walls before God and just start there and just take the walls down and stand exposed before God, 
What do you hear God saying to you? What do you think God is saying to you? Do you hear these words, you are my child and I love you? I've forgiven you and I believe in you. Your mistakes don't define you. You're my chosen one. And you have what it takes. Or maybe you simply hear the words, you belong. Can you hear those words when you tear down the walls? Maybe you can't hear those words because fear is too strong. But I want to encourage you to spend some time this week. I want to encourage you to go somewhere, get somewhere where you can just be quiet by yourself. I want you to think about this image of tearing down the walls around your heart and just hearing God and hearing what He has to say to you. You know, Paul, he, he said this in, in, in verse 4 which that I think is so interesting to me. He says, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, and it's like Paul had this confidence that he'd been approved by God. Are those the words that you hear in your life when you listen to God and you tear down those walls that you've been approved by God? You can be confident. You can be honest. You can be open because you've been approved by God. You're His child. He cares for you. You belong to Him. You know, it's not a mistake that when Jesus commissioned His disciples... He ended his commission by saying, and I will be with you. That's the confidence we can have. The reason we can tear down our walls is because Jesus is with us. We're no longer reliant on people and what people think of us. We're no longer reliant on how people respond to the stuff going on in our world. We can be totally honest because of what God thinks of us. Regardless of where you find yourself right now in this relationship with God, I want to challenge you this week to think about getting away and beginning to reflect on hearing God's voice in your life. What is it that God is saying to you? Let's go ahead and look at verse 3, 5, and 6. We see a second thing that Paul does to share himself honestly and openly. He says, For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity, or any attempt to deceive, for we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as the apostles of Christ. Paul's very clear here in his words and his actions. He says, I didn't deceive. I'm not here to deceive you in any way with my words, with my actions, with my behavior. Same ways. I didn't use words of flattery. I'm not trying to flatter you somehow to get you on my side. He says, I'm not trying to trick you into a relationship with me. And he certainly says, I wasn't chasing after money. <laughs> this is not about greed. We know Paul worked very hard himself to be a tent maker so that he was never a burden to the people he ministered to. But this is hard, isn't it? I know 
in, in my life and in my world, it's very difficult when I'm talking to somebody or when I'm in a relationship with somebody, it's very difficult to not get caught up in just maybe slightly coloring the truth, slightly coloring my words just enough to try to get you to respond the way I want you to respond. It can be hard at times to not maybe use flattery or to not say things that are a little bit deceiving. And you just think, well, it's not terrible. It's not a big lie. It's just enough because I need to get something from this person. See, I think the problem we have oftentimes is mixed motives. <laughs> mixed motives. I'm going to not truly offer you my soul. Again, starts with fear. I'm afraid of what you might do with that. But secondly, not only do I not want to offer you my soul because I'm not even wanting to be honest with my own motivations and what's really going on with me. And so when Paul looks at his life, he's able to, to see himself as a person who evaluates the goals of his words. And we need to learn, how do we evaluate the goal of your word? What does that begin to look like? I think a big question that we have to answer and realize is um, every time we make a statement to somebody, there's a goal behind it. Every time we're talking in a conversation, we have goals. We're trying to get something to happen in this relationship. And so we need to think about that. What is my goal right now in this conversation? What am I trying to accomplish? Where am I really going? How am I trying to manipulate this situation? What's really going on? See, I think one of the mistakes we can make is, is a couple of mistakes that I think we often make in our relationships. One of them is we can make the only goal is to be vulnerable. We can make one goal, I'm just going to tell you honestly what I think about everything. We can say, I'm just being honest. And that's where we see this passage, Ephesians 4.15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Speaking truth, being honest in, in love, in a relationship. Understanding the goal isn't just being totally vulnerable with everybody you meet. It's saying, how is this relationship... The goal of it is to love. The goal is to say, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to speak truth in a way that, that loves. So we need to move from this goal of just being totally open about everything in our life to a goal of being totally committed, totally committed to the other person and the other person's well-being. If everything we say has a goal, the problem is we often, I believe, remain unaware of our goals. But Paul here was saying, he was aware of his goals. He said, I'm not, using, not deceiving, I'm not using flattery. Paul was speaking truth and love, and his honesty was allowing him to think through his goal. What, what is my goal in this relationship? You ever uh, have someone try to sell you something? <laughs> What's their goal? <laughs> to sell you something. So are they going to be 100% honest? Eh? It's easy to justify and maybe color the truth a little bit, maybe use a little flattery along the way. It's the same thing that we run into in our relationships too, is we oftentimes get stuck in this place where we're trying to get something to happen. We're trying to control the situation. So instead of doing that, I want to challenge us this week to think about how do we first reflect on the goal of our words? 
See, I need to move from this fear that we talked about earlier. I need to move away from the fear and this need to try to control you by what I'm saying to say, how do I help you wrestle more honestly with the stuff going on in your life? How can my goal move from me trying to protect my fears and keep my fears inside to moving towards you, looking at you and saying, how can I help you wrestle with stuff in your life? How do I make that my goal? So we have to reflect on the goal of our words and see, what are we really motivated by? Is, is love what motivates me? Or is selfish desire what's motivating me? Is, is my goal in this relationship to help you grow, to help you move closer to Christ? Or is my goal to make myself feel better and to somehow make something in my life just kind of feel better and, and, and feel like it's working better? I think this is a challenge in our relationships. I want you to think about your relationships that you have every, every day, every uh, every week in your life, the different relationships you have from, from your marriage to your friends to your work associates to your cell group to wherever it is that you live in community, in some sort of relationship. I want you to think about what, do you, what is the goal of your words? What do you think is motivating you? What's really happening inside of you as you are working and talking with people? Do you take time out of your life to stop and reflect on conversations you have? So again, a little challenge I want to give you this week to, to um, you know, once you're finished with a conversation you've had with somebody, give yourself a little time out and step back from that and say, what was I trying to accomplish what, what really was going on inside of me as I was having that conversation? What was really driving me? Because the Apostle Paul was able to say these things that he said is, we didn't come to deceive. We didn't come to flatter. We didn't come to manipulate. Can we really say that in our relationships that we have, that we're, we're being honest, we're being open, we're not manipulating situations for our, for our own gain or for our own benefit in some way. I think one of the hardest things um, for me, and, and I think it's a, a problem in many ways uh, because of being in ministry, there are times where um, image, I want my image to look a certain way, and so whether I'm in a group, small group, or even up front or wherever, there's a sense in me of saying, I'm more focused on projecting an image to you than I am focused on you and what's going on with you. I'm more worried about, are you going to come away from this conversation feeling like this, this was beneficial to you or this makes you look at me in a, in, a new, in a better light or makes you feel better about who I am? And it's very confusing. It's very mixed. And so for me... I try to live my life reflecting often on conversations that I've had and trying to identify these things going on honestly inside of me. Like, what, what really was my goal there? What really was I trying to accomplish? Because it can very easily be all about me, <laughs> all about me trying to accomplish something. So 
the challenge in our relationships when we talk about being honest, it starts with us being willing to tear down our own walls and recognize that fear does drive us, and then begin to try to shift that fear from fear to love. How do I shift it from fear driving me in my relationships to truly loving you, starting my love for you, starting to drive my relationship with you? So reflect on how do I tear down the walls, and then how do I shift from fear to love? And what is that going to look like for you and your relationships to begin to moving towards people in love? And then if we look at verse 7, we see um, this interesting picture that I think is a great picture of soul relationships, sharing your soul with somebody else. He says, but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. What a great picture of, of soul sharing, <laughs> um, if you will. This is a great picture of patience, care, gentleness, sacrifice. The picture he gives us about sharing our souls with one another is ultimately this picture of this nursing mother. I'm willing to, to just be with you. I'm willing to listen to your pain, to sit with you, not trying to make it go away. I'm, I'm willing to be gentle. And then he goes on in verse 9, he says, we were with you, we invested in you day and night. It's another great picture, like, I'm here for the long haul. So the picture that Paul is giving us is this example of uh, what, he, what he means as far as to move towards the real need in somebody's life, to move towards the real need. That passage there, Jeremiah 6.14, says, They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. The picture that that comes from in Jeremiah is this idea that there were false prophets who were trying to say, no, 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 it's not that big of a deal. And they were, again, not being honest about the real stuff. If we're going to open our souls toward one another, we have to understand, what does it mean to move towards the real need in somebody's life? So with love, again, firmly planted in our heart, now we want to start moving towards the need that we see. Well, one way to begin doing that in a, in a way that will really be beneficial, and again, I'm going to give you this as an assignment this week, is to do some reflective listening. Now, I'm going to give you an example of what reflective listening is, because I know we've heard this before, but maybe we don't think it works, but I'm going to show you how it works, because I'm going to play both sides. It works really well when you do it to yourself. <laughs> so, I say, so how was your day? It was good. So your day was good? Well, kind of good, I guess. Not, not really sure. So you're saying your day was not really good. It's just kind of good. So, well, yeah, you know, at work today, I was really frustrated with this project I'm working on that I can't figure out. So you've got this project at work that you're struggling to, to work out. Okay? See how this works? Reflective listening is really easy, right? You just say back to the person what they just said to you. <laughs> now, what I want to tell you is a lot of times we think that type of listening doesn't work, but I'm going to tell you, try it. Seriously, try it just like that sometime this week in some relationship you have. When someone says something to you, just say back to them what they said to you with kind of a raised voice at the end, knowing that you're now asking them to say more. Say it back in a question. That's reflective listening in a very basic form. And you see, what reflective listening does is it gives people an opportunity to say, hey, 
I think this is a safe relationship. And this is a person who's trying to be authentic with me. This is a person who's trying to be honest and real. There are two things that come out of out of reflective listening are, are two things. One is it helps us first identify the real need. When someone starts a conversation saying, oh, I'm all fine, I'm great, that's probably not the truth. So if you reflect with them for a while, you'll begin to get deeper into what's really going on, and you'll begin to identify a real need that's happening in their life. And then reflective listening allows us to start moving towards the real need. And that is, to me, the picture of this gentle nursing mother. It gives us this picture of moving towards the real need in somebody's life, in gentleness and patience and care. Larry Crabb has this statement in his book, Connecting. He says, maybe there is something to enjoy about being Christian that is deeply passionate, something so good that we really can regard our struggles as unworthy of comparison not only with what lies ahead, but also with the glory of our journey in that direction. Maybe the key has much to do with companionship on the journey, with a certain kind of community that bands together to scale the rugged peaks. I think sometimes we forget that how we get there is maybe the most important part of our journey. How do we as a community, band together? How do we connect, come together to meet real needs, the real stuff, the authentic stuff that's happening in somebody's life? Are you willing to be a companion on the journey? Part of what that means to be a companion and to move towards real need is, again, tearing down your walls, replacing the fear in you with love, and then moving towards people, trying to identify the real stuff going on for them. And that's going to require this listening. And it also is going to require asking powerful questions. What is the question that you need to ask? Again, this week in cell group, what we're going to ask cell groups to do this week is to break in to twos or to three groups of three or four and spend some time really working on this skill of how do we really listen? How do we do really listen to the real needs that are going on? And we've posted this exercise at mylcc.info, and it's in the, um, under the cell group card. So if you're not in a cell group, I want to challenge you this week to go there, grab that, and find somebody. Find somebody that you're in relationship with and, and walk through that exercise. Begin to think through, how can I grow in this ability to be, just live in this honest, authentic way with, with other people where we're, we're pursuing real needs and the real stuff of their life. We're kind of getting rid of the fluff and we're kind of throwing that off and we're moving towards the heart, moving towards the depth of what's going on in somebody's life. And then in verse 10 and 12, uh, 10 to 12, we see kind of Paul's summary and um, his summary of, of what it means to, to share your soul with somebody else. He says, you are witnesses in God also how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how like a father with his children, 
We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who called you into his own kingdom and glory. Paul's life was being lived out in this soul-sharing way, in such an honest, open way that he was able to say something like this, is which is what we're saying, what you see is what you get. And that's what I want to be true about my life, that what you see is what you get. I'm not hiding anything. I'm holy. I'm walking holy. I'm walking in a blameless way. As he goes on here, he says, um, he says like a father with his children. I think, wow, what a, what a picture that he's trying to draw for us, this picture of a father who has integrity, and his children can look at him, just look at who he is. And there's a legacy that that father is leaving. So this is the picture of living our lives as an open book. Our lives are living out in such an open way that there's no need to hide anything inside of us. That people can look at us and see these, these uh, honesty, integrity, authenticity. They see these things and we're leaving a legacy behind us as people look at our lifestyle and how we live. What you see is what you get. So this week, I want to invite you to think of ways that you can share your soul with someone else. And I want you to think of these three key components, tearing down your walls, evaluating the goal of your words, and moving towards the real need. We're going to try to make this happen in our groups this week, but if you're not in a group, I want to, I want to challenge you to do it in some, somewhere else in your world in, in, in your life this week. One thing I do want to say um, is I believe this stuff that I'm talking about today is happening here. And it happens here in big ways. I can think back. I was thinking back for the last two, three months of my life and the different conversations I've had with some of you and, and in, in, in my cell group as well as outside a group and in different ways and and there are people here who have unbelievably lived this out in my life, <laughs> who have been willing to expose their own self to me, their soul, who have evaluated the goal of their words, and who have moved towards me and the needs that I have. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful to be part of a body where I believe we do this really well in many different settings, in many different ways. And I want to encourage you with that today because I've experienced times of soul sharing with many of you. And it's been, it just, it's the highlight really of my life. It's a highlight of, of what I believe God has created us for to connect in those ways. And I've experienced that here for many of you. But I also want to say this. If you haven't experienced that here, um, I want to encourage you not to give up. I want to encourage you to, again, think about, is fear in your life holding you back from reaching out to somebody else? In order to have soul-sharing relationships, it is risky. And as we say around here a lot, it's also messy. People will make mistakes. People will hurt. People will fail. That happens. But it doesn't mean we quit. It doesn't mean we give up. Because we're called to love. We're called to live in these open ways with each other. It would also be a mistake for me if I didn't end this way as well. And that is, 
I believe the foundation for this kind of living comes from a relationship with Christ. That I don't believe you can do these three things unless you know Jesus Christ. And so if you're here and you haven't started this relationship with Christ, I want to make that clear. I want you to know that you can start that relationship with Christ. It begins very simply by believing in Him, by believing that He died on the cross for your sin and submitting. You submit your life to Him and say, Jesus, I want you to be the leader of my life, and I want to follow you. And as you begin that relationship with Him, it's what it will enable you to tear down the walls because Jesus says perfect love casts out all fear. And Jesus is perfect love. And when you come into relationship with him, he casts out your fear. And he is the one who will begin to speak those words that I was speaking earlier, those words of you're my child. You belong. You're a treasure. You can do it. I believe in you. That's how you begin to hear those words as you enter this relationship with Christ. And I want to invite you this morning, if you haven't done that, to do that by simply praying and asking Jesus to come into your life to confess the fact that you recognize you are separated from him because of your sin, and you ask him to pay the penalty for your sin. I believe that living this way in your life has great potential, has great potential to change your life, has great potential to enable you to grow in some ways that maybe you've been struggling with. I found this, um, one of my favorite groups, um, I feel like their lyrics for a lot of their songs are very powerful, it's a group called Sidewalk Prophets, and um, they have this song, uh, it's called It Just Might Change Your Life, and, and, and here's kind of the chorus of it. It says, you've got your reasons, reasons just to walk away. No one would blame you if you didn't want to face the pain. You find yourself up against the wall, you're scared to push because it might fall, and it just might change your life. You're on the edge, now take one step, and you just might find you'll fly. You never know what will happen next. Don't be afraid to let go this time. It just might change your life. It's risky. It feels that way, I know, to enter into soul-sharing relationship. But I also want to encourage you to say, I believe that God uses relationships to change our lives. So I want you to think about that this week. How can you move one step closer in one of your relationships this week to making that an honest, open, soul-sharing relationship? I'm going to go ahead and pray. Lord, we know we can't live in this type of community without your spirit, without your power. And we invite you here into this community. Lord, we're grateful for the ways we have seen you already move in this group and in this church. And we're grateful for the depth of relationship that you've already created here. And Lord, we're just asking that you would show us next steps. What's the next step for each one of us and what it means to grow in this area of sharing our souls with one another and allowing you to change our hearts through that process. Lord, we thank you for these things. Amen.